Amen, amen. Good morning. Had a great week this week. Um, I know I did. You know, one of the one of the funny things about having a, you know, having Easter and and Palm Sunday like in the middle of April. You know, sometimes it's early. Sometimes it's, it feels like it's a little later. You know, I actually feel like it's Easter. You know, I actually feel like that we're coming into a springy, even though we've had a cold snap. You know, that's one of the that's one of the things I always felt like that if we had an earlier Easter, it just felt like that it was just off. You know, but one of the one of the things that I wanted to talk to you guys about because it is Palm Sunday. You know, we've we've talked about Palm Sunday at, throughout our lives. Anybody that's went to church, you have went to a church and you've heard a message on Palm Sunday, or you've heard a message on the triumphant entrance into Jerusalem for Jesus. And in every single one of those, they talk about all the things that happened that week. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I mean, just a hair. But I, I have a little bit of a take on this that I want to propose to you guys. I want you guys to, to see something here because I feel like that there are things that we missed right before the triumphant Palm Sunday entrance. And we kind of glaze over it. We kind of just go, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't really know if that, if that was as important. Well, I'm going to tell you, I believe that this is probably one of the most important things that could have happened before the Holy Week. In fact, I believe it started the Holy Week. And we're going to talk about the Lazarus effect. Now, everybody knows Lazarus. You probably all have had some sort of Bible study teaching or whatever about Lazarus dying. And he was, in the, he was in the tomb and Jesus called him forth. And everybody takes that story and they, and they put it into a box. And they say, this was a myopic thing. This was a, a you know, one point in time thing that Jesus did. But it wasn't. It actually plays into Holy Week. It plays into Palm Sunday. And I'm going to show you some of the things that I believe. And there's some reasons why I believe this happened. And we'll go over those. So the Lazarus effect. I'm going to get started here. If you've got your Bibles, I've also got it up here on the screen. We're going to turn to John chapter 11. We're primarily going to be in John chapter 11 and John and uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 16. Um we're going to kind of go through some, some discussions about who Lazarus was, about where, where he was at, the things that happened. You know, Lazarus wasn't himself a, you know, a man of God. Lazarus himself wasn't this, this great you know, teacher or, or preacher, or he didn't have any connection. Really, Lazarus was just a man like anybody else. And you know, I really love that God uses just a man that has no, had no purpose. He didn't think that he was ever going to have anything to do with God because he was a poor man. And see, Lazarus, Lazarus was connected to Mary and Martha. He was their brother. And, you know, Jesus had a really intimate relationship 
with his disciples and with the people that were around him. And you can actually tell here in uh, John chapter 11 that Jesus was just so distraught that he couldn't have been there. But he also wanted to give hope and he wanted to give clarity back to the people that loved him, Mary and Martha. And so we're going to read a couple of the scriptures here. John chapter 11, verse 17, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. This is important. Now, you can take out of this whatever you want to, but I'm going to tell you Dusty's take. This is Dustyology, so you just hang on for just a second. But I'm going to tell you, I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay? So Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. How long was Jesus in the tomb? Three days. So Lazarus was dead one more day than Jesus. Okay, I want you to write that in the back of your mind because as we're going through here, I want you to understand that this is significant. It wouldn't be in the Bible if it wasn't. And it says, Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles. That's another significant piece of information that I think we need to understand. That means that a man could walk between Bethany and Jerusalem within an hour. So, so essentially, Jesus was between these two places for the next week. For the whole Holy Week, he was in Bethany and Jerusalem. So these aren't two totally far apart places. These are basically like if I was to go from Alabaster to, you know, uh, Saginaw up here. If I just walked up 31, that would be about like what it would have been. So Jesus was here in Bethany. He was right near Jerusalem. And it says here in verse 19, well, I'm actually going to drop down because Jesus talks to Mary and Martha and he's comforting them and he's saying, hey, you know, your brother, he's dead, but, you know, hey, I'm going to give some hope here. And Martha said, you know, if, if you'd just been here, Jesus, if you had just been here, I know my brother would still be alive. And so Jesus says here in verse 21, he says, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would have not died. Verse 22, it says, but even now, knowing that whatsoever you ask of God, God gives you. So she had faith and hope that something was going to happen. You know, it's really important for us to, in every endeavor in our life, say, hey, there's some hope. I'm believing God for something. How many people have went a long time without believing God for something? Hey, I, I'm going to raise my hand. Hey, because, you know, life comes and beats you down. Things happen in our lives. And, and you sit back and you go, what is it that God wants us to do next? And then you're thinking, I don't really have a clue. But see, I, I love what, I loved what uh, Martha says here because he just, she just says, hey, I know you hear from God and I know that everything God tells you, you do. And in verse 23 here, it says, And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. So she was, she was really believing, Hey, in the last days, there's going to be a resurrection. Most Jews did. 
But see, Jesus was saying, uh uh-uh, you don't understand what's about to happen. He said in verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes on me, though he may die, he shall live. Now I want you to understand, Jesus wasn't saying that he was a life. Like, hey, I'm alive, dude. No, that's not what he was saying. He wasn't saying that, hey, I'm just going to give breath. No, he says, I'm going to bring the life. Do you know what the difference between A and D is? See, A means that, eh, I have a life. It's all right. But see, when somebody says there is the life, that means there's more. See, Jesus was about to say, oh, this is going to be more. This is going to be so far beyond the things that you've ever seen. This life that I am and I'm going to give is so much more. And see, Martha's like, whoa, what's about to happen? I mean, she's still in this thing of, hey, Jesus has been good to know you. My brother's dead. You're probably going to go off and do something else. And Jesus is over here talking about, I'm, gonna, I'm the resurrection and life. Okay. So Jesus proves it. A few verses later in John chapter 11, verse 41. And it says, they, he had told them, he goes, go take the stone away. And they were like, he's going to stink. I mean, four days he's in the tomb, he's going to stink. And Jesus comes back to him and says, no, go roll, roll it away. I'm telling you. Roll the stone away. Something good is about to happen. And and it says here, And they rolled the stone away where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now this is very important because I want you to understand how prayer works. Because we just got through talking about prayer, right? And we're not done. We're going to continue to talk about prayer. But I want you to understand that when Jesus spoke, he wasn't speaking for himself. Because it says in verse 42, And I know that you always hear me because, or I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they might believe that you sent me. See, I want you to understand that Jesus could have just thought Lazarus come forth. Jesus could have just projected it out of of who he was. But you know what? The words that we have from Jesus, from our prayers to people, they're to declare so that they can believe with us. I mean, I got news for you. If I came up here and I just said, okay, guys, I'm not going to preach today. I'm just going to stand up here and I want y'all through osmosis to get what I'm saying today. Okay, go. Are y'all thinking the same thing I'm thinking right now? Go ahead, Vicki. Tell me what I was thinking. She's like, hey, I'm not even going to attempt that. Do you know that we have to have words? We have to have meaning that comes from our conviction. We were actually talking about that this morning, about speaking the truth. You know, all these people, all these states are passing laws because of not wanting to teach kids about sex. Five-year-olds to ten. Why do we need to teach people? 
teach kids about sex. We don't. So we have to speak the truth in love and we have to say, hey, I understand that people are confused. But I don't want to have that happen in my own family. I actually, we, we had a situation that was like that. I'm not going to go into detail because I don't feel like that I need to because it was another family member and I haven't talked to them about that. But they actually were being coerced into trying to believe that they were something that they weren't by other kids in their own grade. And you know, speaking the truth in love, we came back and said, no, that's not true. But see, that's what I want you to understand is that we just don't through osmosis just believe something and just no longer say anything about it. See, me speaking what God has on my heart actually puts it into your heart. We have to speak forth the words in order for people to go, yeah, I get behind that. I get behind that so that they understand that God's doing something here in this earth. And so in verse 43, and he said, Now, when he had said all these things, he cried, Lazarus, come forth. Now, Jesus might have screamed it. He might have, you know, did the whole, you know, Lazarus, come forth. You know, I don't know. I mean, he, we don't know what Jesus did because it didn't say, hey, he, he was doing some sort of, you know, hey, I'm really wanting to get emphatic behind this. But I want you to understand that Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. People were like, what in the world did he just say? How many people see a dead man raised? Anybody? See, if, if you've seen, if you've never seen something, that's, that's, it's going to be hard for you to believe it, right? So Lazarus comes out. He's in grave clothes. He's like a mummy. In fact, he's probably, you know, like bound up, rolling around on the ground. Because they did. They wrapped him like a big burrito when you died. And so Jesus told him, he said, loose him and let him go. Go take the grave clothes off of him. And then verse 45, this is where, this is where the peanut butter hits the fan. See, everybody thinks Lazarus come forth. That's the... That's great, and Jesus performed this miracle, and, and the miracle's great. But there was two things that happened because of this. Okay? And we're about to find out what those two things are. Because it is going to impact the rest of Holy Weeks. Okay? In verse 45, it says, Then many of the Jews who came to Mary and had seen these things that Jesus did believed in him. Okay, wait a minute. There's like high up, really just religious Jews that saw a man that had been buried for four days. Four days and nights, Lazarus is in this tomb and Jesus says, come forth. This man comes out of there. They're like, okay, I got to believe in this dude. I have to believe in this guy. This guy is doing stuff I've never seen before. And it says here in 
So we go down to verse 46 in John chapter 11. It says, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what shall we do? For this man works many signs. So I want you to understand, some people said, hey, I believe this dude's the Messiah. Some people said, okay, we're about to lose our, we're about to lose our paycheck. I want you to understand, there's people that are in churches, there's people in the world that say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Oh, if I saw, and you'll talk to other people and say, oh, if I saw a miracle, I'd believe. I'd believe in Jesus if I could just see a miracle. No. You're always going to have people that's going to go, oh, this is going to, this is going to mess up my, this is going to mess up my paycheck. This is going to mess up the way that I see the, the world. I, I'm the leader. God's not the leader. I'm the leader. See, that's what they were basically saying is God is somewhere else, and while he's gone, I get to lead this thing. I get to be the most supreme in his hierarchical order. And because Jesus went and did this miracle, how dare he? So verse 48 says, If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And I think this is a cop-out. And the Romans will come and take everything away, both our place and the nation. It was going away. It had already happened. They just didn't know it. Jesus actually told them about the temple falling and saying, Hey, your, your whole religious idealisms are gone. There will be a time where this will be gone. And that made them mad. Made them angry. I mean, I got news for you. How many people, well, I better not ask this because this probably doesn't go over well nowadays, but who likes their job? Okay, okay, there's a few hands. Okay? So if you liked your job and all of a sudden somebody came along and said, hey, I'm going to give, I'm going to do away, I'm going to use my, my daughter. She's in the dermatology. and They just said, you know what, we're going to start uh, stripping skin off of people. There is no more der dermatology. Right? We're going to move it to the, to the muscle layer. We're going to create this whole other thing. She's going to be like, wait a minute, you can't do that. Do you know that in our own lives, we sit there and go, God, if you move me out of where I'm at, if you move me away from what I'm doing, what will I do? Will I have the same power, authority, influence that I have right now? You know, there's been many a times in my life where God has come to me and said, Hey, I'm doing away with this thing. There's going to be something new. No, God. Let's not do that. I mean, let, let, let's try to hold on to this for as long as I possibly can because this makes sense to me. You know, there's always something new that God is trying to do in order to get more influence, more things, more time, more relationship. He's trying to do it. And you know what? These Pharisees, the, the chief priests, they were like, I don't want my gig to go away. 
I want to continue to be the tip top of this totem pole. So I want to I show you where I think Lazarus actually was a, was a kick in the teeth for all these guys. Because I'm about to tie a couple of scriptures together here that you guys may have, y'all may have thought about this and said, oh, Dusty, I know about that. Or I think that way, or I thought that, that was the way it should be. But I'm going to tell you what, I've been taught multiple times in my life about some of the parables of Jesus, and I have never heard this. And then I started doing some studies, and there's actually a lot of people out there that believe this. So here we go. This is not just dustyology. This is a bunch of other stuff that you can find on the Internet. So I'm just going to let you know. So I'm going to tie Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 16 with John chapter 11. Because they're in the same vein. And you know, one of the great things about John and the reason why I read from John of the Gospels the most is because John was the closest to Jesus. He had Jesus' heart. He knew the heart of Jesus more than any other disciple. See, Matthew, he was a bean counter. He was an accountant. And so he's very technical about all the things. If you go read through John, John's telling you about all the, the dots and the tittles. He's wanting you to understand what Jesus said. Mark is like years later, and he's just taking from all the disciples, and he's hitting the highlights. Luke, he's the doctor. He's trying to... He's trying to get in there and really get all of the nuggets out because he was very academic. But see, John knew the heart. But because Luke is so academic and he wanted to have everything in its place, there's a couple of these parables that we just think, oh, these are nice little parables that, that Jesus told. And, you know, it was just a, a life lesson for us today. Now, some of these parables was a kick in the teeth to the people that were around them. They, there were Pharisees that were standing around that he was actually either, I won't use the term making fun, but he was actually goading them. He was telling them, this is you. This is your heart. This is your mind. And this is where you're at. And the parables were as much for them, and we can take out of them, but he was basically trying to say, hey, there's a new thing coming. This whole Jewish religion thing that you guys have, have added to, it's gone. There's going to be a new time where there's a new covenant, and you guys need to understand about this. And so as we can see, the Lazarus effect, a day or two before Palm Sunday, which, by the way, I don't even know if it was on Sunday. We're just kind of going there because it was six days before, before the, the Passover is all we really know. But we're going we're gonna to go with this was like two days before Jesus' triumphant entrance into, uh, into, the, into Jerusalem that Lazarus was raised from the dead. So let's go over to Luke chapter 16. So Luke chapter 16 is the parable, which I'm going to, I'm going to stop referring it to a parable for just a minute. Y'all can do, y'all listen to me, y'all, 
y'all can say, hey, Dusty, you're a madman. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. It's a great parable, and that's it. But hear me out, because I think that this makes the most sense, and I also think that there's a lesson that we need to learn from this. In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, and I'm just going to hit some of these things. But in verse 19, it says, There was a rich man. This rich man has been touted by theologians as Annas the senior. Annas the senior was the the high priest around between, uh, I think it's 9 AD and 17 AD when he was ousted just after Herod. And he ended up, he ended up going and retiring basically. But his sons... They ended up taking over. So, so the, the Annas that we see in the Bible and Caiaphas that you're going to see in these scriptures, this is, his, this is his son and son-in-law. Caiaphas was actually the, the, the son-in-law of Annas Jr. So I want you to understand that there was a family business that was happening here. Annas... And his family were the high priests in the continuation of the line that they believed that they had in the religious hierarchy. So the rich man, which I believe is Annas, who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every single day. It meant that he lived in a an extravagant life. Do you know that all the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priests and everything, they lived in the biggest and best palaces. They had the most money because they were taking it out of the offering plate. They weren't like, you know, the, the what you call the celibate, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to live a, a poverty lifestyle. No, these guys, they were adorned in gold. They loved their life. It was like, it was like being, you know, I guess for the, for the kids in the back out here, you know, they were the TikTok stars of the day. Uh, does, that, does that make sense to you guys? I don't know. Who's the most, you know, I always look at the kids because I, I always point back to they were the, you know, football players or the whatever back when I was a kid. But nowadays, it's the, it's the people who are out there, they're just, hey, I didn't produce anything. I just went and danced. And somehow a, a million and a half people looked at my, at my content, and I ended up getting money off of it. That's what these guys would do. They went out in front of all of Jerusalem, and they would pray, and they would say a bunch of really high lofty things. And then the next thing you know, people would come and just give them money. And they lived off that money. Do you know that in the Old Testament, the Levitical priest was supposed to live off of the meat and off of the grain. They were not supposed to have the possessions of gold and silver. Do you know that at some point in time, they quit actually taking up those type of offerings? See, the grain offering and the wine offering and, and the flower offerings and all those things were supposed to be for the priests. That was how they got fed. 
But these guys said, you know what? I don't want to cook my own food. Y'all just give me money. Y'all give me the ability to take on my, my own thing, and I'm going to go out to the finest restaurants, and I'm going to go and live in the biggest palaces, and I'm going to do all the, the, the extravagant things. See, that's where the Pharisees and the chief priests lived, is in the most lavish lifestyles that you could ever see. In verse 20, it says, But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Huh. Why would Jesus point out Lazarus? Let's just find out here. Full of sores. See, I look at this as that Lazarus may have had some sores, but I will tell you this. I think that was a cut that the sores of people back then was the religious elite. They wanted you to do, oh, you know, sin for them was not the same sin for you. See, the religious elite, they would tell you you're never going to get out of your sin no matter how much you pay, but just keep paying. See, Jesus is trying to make a point to someone that there are people that are living off of the, the people and there's people who are living off uh, basically no way of getting to God. The things that they had, they could not get to God because these people controlled the temple. They controlled everything. So essentially, Lazarus laid at the temple gate every single day and these people just said, oh, he's, he's, a, he's a poverty-stricken man. Let's not, let's not touch him. Let's not deal with him. And so, so essentially, he had to go back to... to those Jews to the to maybe even the world in order to get his cares taken care of. If he had if he had a physical ailment, he might actually have to go to the Samaritans. If he had a physical ailment, he might not be able to afford anything except for just some really, you know, high risk procedures. The priests were taking everything and leaving the common man to fend for themselves. So, essentially, both of them died, and they went to Abraham's bosom. And so the the rich man went to Haiti, not because he was a rich man. It was because of what he did with his riches and what he didn't do for people like Lazarus. And it says here in verse 24, So the rich man cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames. And Abraham told him, he said, Son, remember in your lifetime you received all these good things, and Lazarus, he received all the evil things. And it says in verse 27, because he said, Hey, this is not going to... Nothing that you're asking for is going to happen. So then he changes his begging. And he says in verse 27, Then I beg you therefore, Father Abraham, that you would send Lazarus, him, to my father's house, for I have five brothers. The word there in the the Greek actually is brethren. Be like family members. In fact, I was actually reading, Josephus is a, is a historian that did uh, history for this time frame 
uh, pretty much from a, about 5 AD all the way up until about 75 AD or so. Um, he, actually, he actually connects Annas Sr. to some of these time frames. So, so Annas Sr. had five sons, one of them being, I call him Annas Jr., because he was the, one of the chief priests at the time. And it says that they may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes from the dead, they will repent. Now I want to I tell you, if that ain't powerful to you, then I don't understand you, okay? Because when I read this and I started putting it all back together, I started saying, Lord, this happened. This actually happened. Lazarus was raised from the dead and the common people believed. But the high priest said, mm, not going to accept that because I have to give up my, give up my paycheck. And it says here, it says, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one who he was raised from the dead. Now I'm going to tell you, they all happened at the same time. Luke chapter 11, all of this happened in the same time frame. And I believe that because he was telling all of these parables that Annas and Caiaphas and all these people are standing around listening to Jesus' words, trying to find something. And so Jesus said, hey, listen up. Your, your own family members that are in hell are praying for you that you understand where you're going. Do you know that everybody that's in hell right now is saying, hey, I would send back anybody. Can I just tell somebody, can I give them five seconds in this place so that they understand? Because if they saw somebody that was raised from the dead, oh, surely they'll believe. Well, let's see what they believe. So let's go back over to John chapter 12. And it says in John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom was raised from the dead, there they had made supper, made him supper. And Martha served. And it says, But Lazarus, who was the one of those that, who was sitting at the table. This is important. John wouldn't have spent all this time because guess who was there? Even more than any of the other disciples, John was the one sitting beside Jesus every single night. He was the one that had all the conversations with Jesus. See, John is sitting there trying to say, this is important, guys, listen up. There's a reason why Lazarus was there. There's a reason why Lazarus came back. Lazarus was going, I'm trying to tell you something's happening. 
He wasn't hiding. And people were coming and trying to find Lazarus. And if we skip down to verse 9, it says, Now a great many Jews that knew that he was there, they came not for Jesus' sake only. I mean, I got news for you. It would draw a whole bunch of people if we had somebody that died and four days later they got raised from the dead. There'd be people going, hey, I want to bring doctors and I want to bring scientists and I want to bring all this other stuff. It would be a calling card for some people. But there would still be people that would go, eh, I don't believe that. See, that's what was happening here. So, and it says, but they might also see Lazarus who was raised from the dead. This is a theme This is a theme. Lazarus was sent back to tell everybody, hey, I'm being raised from the dead because of the resurrection and life that's in Jesus Christ. Quit fighting against this man. Quit not taking all the things that he said as the gospel. Because he is the resurrection and he is the life. And it says here in verse um, verse 10, it says, But the chief priest, which was Ananias Jr. and Caiaphas, his son-in-law, plotted to put Lazarus to death. I want you to understand. (laughs) Let me go backwards. Because I want you to see this. See, Father Abraham told... I believe Anna Sr., this is not going to work out the way you think it's going to. Because if they didn't believe the prophets, they didn't believe Moses, they didn't believe anybody, and they didn't believe Jesus, they're not going to believe Lazarus. Well, guess what? They didn't. They were trying to kill the man. He he was raised from the dead. We've got to do something about that because he's going to take away our job. He's going to take away our status. He's going to take away everything that we've ever known. We have a good thing going. We've got to stop him. See, they know. See, there's plenty of people in our, in our churches and in our lives that will say, oh, yeah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You know, th- th- they always say that there's no atheist in a foxhole. Have y'all ever heard that? I also believe that there's going to be a time, and we know it in the book of Revelations, where people are going to hold a gun to somebody's head and they're going to deny Jesus. Because they didn't truly believe. See, that's what we have here, is that we have people, Annas, Caiaphas, and all of the chief priests, except for probably Nicodemus. Nicodemus was probably the one person that was like, hey, something's going on here. Guys, we've got to listen up because we're fighting against God. See, I want you to understand that Jesus himself is looking at these guys and saying, Look, you don't understand what's about to happen. All of this is going to be broken. And see, Lazarus was the final nail in the coffin. That that was when they either could harden their hearts more or they could soften their hearts and they could accept Jesus as Lord. And they decided to go towards the harden of hearts. And so, it says, um, 
in verse 12, I mean 11, it says, Because on his account many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. So Lazarus was the resurrection that began the Holy Week to get us to the next resurrection. See, resurrection begot resurrection. Jesus was a man in, in, his, in his manly form, but had God on the inside of him. And guess what? He began resurrection, and seven, eight days later, he was resurrected. So I, I'm going to point you back to those four days that he was in the tomb. Lazarus had him beat. He was dead by one, one extra day. Woo! You know why I believe that was written in there by John? Is because somebody goes, okay, well, Jesus, well, you know, no one, no one uh, can be dead for three days, and then they were resurrected. Well, Lazarus was dead for four days, and he was resurrected by Jesus. Jesus resurrected himself, by the way. I just want you all to understand this, is that the power and the resurrection was of Jesus. It was Jesus. It is Jesus. He can resurrect even the most dead person right now and give them the life. Do you know that I didn't have a life until he gave me the life? The life changed my mind. I went from ADD and dyslexia and didn't graduate from my high school and he gave me I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. It completely and totally changed me because the promise became true. Now I'd heard I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthened me a thousand times but until I got the life. The life. Because I was just living a life. Well, see, all of these other people, they were just living their life. Hmm. Wasn't that big of a deal? And then all of a sudden, they saw resurrection. They said, this guy's got something going on. He is the resurrection and the life. I want to find out more about this life. And so, as we see here, um, in verse 12, it says, The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, took a branch of palm and the tree and went out to meet him and cried. And see, you can find this in, in um, Psalms 118.26 where they say that they would give the palm leaves and they would say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, what we have to understand is that the king of Israel now can become king of kings in our own life. He was creating the opportunity to go beyond just, I'm a man that is here to tell you a message. He was going beyond just the words that was in a book. He was the resurrection and the life. He wanted to resurrect dead man's bones. The people that were walking around every single day going, I'm just waiting for death. I'm just waiting for something good to happen to me. I'm just waiting. Jesus now come and he said, hey, I am the king of your life. I can decree things in your life. I can give you the king of kings and the Lord of lords speech through the Holy Spirit anytime you're having a problem. You know, I have my own pity parties every single day. 
Every single day I get the opportunity to go and woe is me. You know, we were talking about this yesterday, the first world problems. Oh, this didn't work out for me this week. Well, guess what? I don't think I've missed too many meals. And I've got a, a wonderful wife and kids and, uh, you know, a great job and a house. And because somebody was mean to me, I felt like the Lord, where are you? And he comes back and goes, by the way, that, that wood sound is my head. I'm knocking on it, right? But he comes and knocks on me and he says, hey, I am with you always. You can do all things through Christ. I supply all of your needs according to your riches and glory. I've provided you with health and healing in your mind and in your body. Because I am the resurrection and the life. You could die right now and I'll resurrect whatever it is. So there is physical death. There's spiritual death. There's also mental death. I mean, we find people all the time that are depressed. I think this is the most crazy th number I've ever heard. I don't even know if I believe it, but the CDC put it out. It was like 57% of the population is on some depression medicine. Huh? What? See, they have no life. There is no life that is going on. They're living a life. But the life, if they were to just say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this back into perspective. Jesus came so that I could focus my attention on him and not on the things going on in my world. Now, if you're on depression medicine, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, if you're on depression medicine because 57% in the world, there's probably 57% of the people that's in here. I'm not saying that there's anything that if you need the medicine, take the medicine. But I'm going to tell you what, I am believing God right now for you that you are going to come off those meds because Jesus is just going to become so alive on the inside of you. Jesus is so alive on the inside of me that I don't want to have depression medicine. I want to be able to feel the things God has for me to feel. I want to be able to see the things God has for me to see. I don't want it to be diminished in any way. Because even when life comes and throws me a curveball, God says, you know what that curveball looks like? Hit it out of the park. You know that I just want you to know that Jesus came for a lot more than just to save your soul from hell. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe on him. Can y'all finish it up for me? have everlasting life. It's complete. It's whole. It is, it is pure. It's taking all the things that we used to think, oh, man, it, you know, well, if I had a flat tire this week, well, that just gets me down for the rest of the week. How many people's had that? I have. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been there. Something bad happens at work, and I just, it, lives in my brain for the next five days it's happened it's been there 
Now, is it happening to me now? No. Every single day I walk with the Lord and he goes, you know you can release that, right? I can, I can hand that off to him. But does it creep up when something bad happens? Oh, yeah, and I have to. You know what I've realized that the life is a lot more of, oh, I'm passing it off. Oh, it came at me, I caught it, and I just threw it back to Jesus. See, the life is, I grab it and I throw it away. Get it out of here. It's like a hot potato. It's nuclear. If I keep it around me, it will radiate and just make everything just die. But see, the life of Jesus is, take it and throw it back away. You know what? The more that I take those things and I throw it back towards Jesus. See, Hosanna, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's not just there as a token relationship. He brought about peace. He brought about prosperity. He brought about, I mean, he takes away our shame. He takes away our fears. But we have to be able to say, I'm not going to hold this anymore. Because he's sitting there going, hey, throw it to me. I'll take it. I've already taken it for you on the cross. I'll take it for you right now. Right now in your life, there's things that you're holding on to and it's dragging you around. You've got both hands wrapped so tightly around something that you don't even need to be handling. You need to go, Jesus, take it. Because this is what he was trying to get to. Is he was trying to say, I am the resurrection of life. I am the king. I have authority over these things that are in your life. I love this because he's sitting on a donkey. He wasn't on a big Clydesdale horse. That would be the kind that would be able to only hold me up. But, you know, I'd be on a Clydesdale horse and I'd be like, Yeah, I'm the king. Jesus didn't even say anything. He gets on a donkey and everybody just decides to go over there. Let's get some palm leaves. Just throw the palm leaves out in front of him. Do you know that by this point, people were so looking for life that they were following Jesus and saying, I'll do whatever it takes. You're the king of my life. You're the, you're the way that and the truth and the life. And it says, in Zechariah 9.9, it says, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king has come, sitting on a donkey colt. And his disciples didn't understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered all these things that were written about him. And that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him When he called Lazarus out of the tomb, man, Lazarus was important. Not because of who Lazarus was, but because Jesus raised him from the dead to proclaim that the resurrection and life has come through Jesus Christ. Believe on him. And it says that he raised from the dead bore witness for the people that, for the reason that the people also met because they had heard that he had done
these signs. The people believed with the five brethren. Nope. You're taking my paycheck. And that's why we're at this point. That's why during Holy Week, we get to the end of Holy Week around the crucifixion time. And they had taken him to the Sanhedrin and, and they had taken him before the Roman, uh, the Roman council and they had beaten him and they had, they had prodded him. They put the crown of thorns on him. And now no one understood. They didn't understand that his sacrifice was going to do away with the need to cover sins by bulls and goats and be able to to resurrect him as the ability to cover and wash our sins away forever. These scriptures right here in John 19, because he knew Jesus' heart, he knew all the things that had happened. I bet John was beside himself because the he was the disciple that Jesus loved. He was, he was like he was like a younger brother to Jesus. And Jesus was like an older brother. Just think about that. Mary, his mother, John. They had seen him in the most triumphant part of his ministry. And they had also seen him in the greatest downfall of his ministry. I was talking, I was talking last night. We were talking about this. And there's a man that I was listening to. And he's, a, he's not even a, a Christian as far as I know, but he loves the Bible. And he said, he said, you know, sacrifice, sacrifice is the greatest because it, it shows love, it shows mercy. And because of sacrifice, heroism comes out of it. It paints a beautiful picture that sacrifice brings about life. And see, in our society, we don't sacrifice nothing. Let somebody else do that. But I want you to understand that I want to break through what we have in our current societal forms and you understand that when Jesus came and he went... He went before the Roman soldiers that he was beaten, that he was taken before the Sanhedrin, and they said these things to him. He took on everybody's shame. He took on your depression. He took on your mental anguish. He took on every single thing going to the cross. He knows everything you've ever done. He's had, he's had the consequences of those things happen to him. He took all the consequences without doing any of the bad things. And it says here in in verse 6 of John 19, it says, When the chief priests, therefore, and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate was beside himself. And he said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him. For I find no fault with this man. Even the world was like, this man has done nothing. And you guys have done everything to him. And in verse 7 it says, The Jews answered him, For we have the law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself 
the Son of God. Now, I'm, I'm closed right now with this, so Matt, if you want to come up. But I want to let you know that Jesus didn't make himself anything. Jesus was just living his life. When he resurrected, I, I, I will tell you this, I don't know what Jesus knew the moment that he resurrected um, Lazarus from the dead. Because he still had man that he had to deal with. His own flesh. But I will tell you this. He knew that his time was coming. He knew that he was going to get to a point to where his sacrifice was going to be the ultimate sacrifice. See, that's what I want us to understand on this Palm Sunday is that Jesus Christ himself through all the things that he did and all the things God called him to do, that when he went to go do them, he did it with you in mind. I want everybody to close your eyes and bow your head. Because if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to understand that there is power for that right now. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, just raise your hand. Because I would love to at some point in time, I know that if I called you down, that would not be something you might want to do. But I just want to know if somebody has not accepted Jesus, to raise their hand. Because I want to be able to have a conversation with you. Jesus Christ himself came and he sacrificed so that he would know every single thing that you ever did. He lived a life that was spotless and blameless, but he took on every consequence in every single way. And I'm just going to pray this prayer. If you pray it with me, you've accepted Jesus. Father, I come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just, I thank you that I confess you as Lord. I thank you that you died for me, that you died for my sins, that you came to give me the life. And right now, I just pray, just thanking you that Jesus is now my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you said that prayer, it was that simple. Because if you believe and you say that Jesus is Lord, you've received. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you learned something today. I hope you're able to take the, take the understanding that resurrection begot resurrection. And that I want, to, I want you to take one final thing away before I close this out. That the Pharisees were the most hardened of hearts. They had a good thing going. But do you know that God even resurrected one man to tell them about Jesus? He was willing to go through any sacrifice, any way to be able to even reach the most hard-hearted person. You know that that's what amazes me by God because I probably had already written them off. 
That's why I'm not God, right? Amen. Hallelujah. But see, that's, that's where God is at, is he's looking for the most hard-hearted person. And he's wanting to try to find resurrection and life for them. So as we go out into our week, in this Holy Week, we're going to have opportunities to be able to minister to people, to be able to tell them about the goodness of God and about what Jesus did. And I want you to be able to just be able to bring resurrection and life to them. Tell them about Jesus and about all the good things that he did. Because he is good. Amen. Bow your heads. I'm going to pray us out. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray over each and every person that is in our congregation. I pray for those that are listening online. I pray, dear Lord, that they go forth this week. They have a great week. That they're able to talk to somebody about the goodness of God and about Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made, but also about the most hardened of hearts that when those people come across their path, that you just show them how to be able to speak into their life the life of God and that Jesus is in the midst of them and that we're going to see resurrection and life in other people. We just thank you for it. We just thank you for a blessed week. Go forth about us. Help us. Give us the, the peace that we need to be able to carry on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.